Welcome to the Hoodie 48. All right, really, it's the Mid-State 48, but for this week, uh, the three of us decided we'd have a little fun with this. Uh, welcome into the playoff edition of the Mid-State 48. Chris Brooks along with you. Scott Burton, Tom Duggan are here. Gentlemen, we look like the three wise men, but we're really not. This is what happens when you don't coordinate Halloween costumes. <laughs> yeah, when Halloween falls on a Sunday, it's a little tricky. Yeah. yeah so. Meanwhile, we look like uh, we look like rejects from, uh, I don't know, Friar Tuck. <laughs> yeah, we didn't make the cut, I think, for the... Uh, <laughs> well, right. right. Yeah, we, we're, we, in the, we're in the road we company of the monastery. here. We were going to join, join the monastery, but that didn't work out. I couldn't shut up long enough. <laughs> we all have that yeah. a, vow, a vow of silence is not a vow I will take. So uh, here we are. Yeah. Anyway, the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> mm, mm. Jokes aside, we are into the playoffs now. Finally. Oh, actually, this thing went quick too. I mean, we're sitting here to, in August, seemed like three weeks ago, and now we're looking at forty degree temperatures at kickoff and. No, we're we're wearing hoodies and it's football weather. So here we go. Yeah, consider this uh, training for this week. Get, getting ready. Yeah, we need the Rocky montage. We need the Rocky montage to get us ready for Friday night. You know, some, oh. some good matchups on the horizon though this week. Uh, e- even though generally the first round hasn't produced a lot of those in recent years, with the realignment, it, it's kind of done some good things. I think as far as you no. Know, Putting some interesting matchups on the table this week, uh, guys. What have you, what have you thought about you know what we were seeing on the horizon? Well, I think that uh, it, it's really interesting what the TWA did last uh, last year uh, with the realignment. It, it has really given us some uh, good matchups in the first round that otherwise would have been seen in later rounds. Uh, also means that some teams that would naturally go a little bit further than usual are going to be out a little earlier. Uh, It's uh, it's kind of a whole new world, a brave new world out there for some of these teams in these regions. Yeah, that, and I'll tell you something else, guys, that I've really paid attention to this week is the amount of travel that uh, some of the teams are going to be doing in the first round. I mean, you've got schools, and uh, uh, in my new role now, I know some of the schools in the Upper Cumberland area they're going three hours one way, guys, to play a football game. And, uh, you know, that that in itself gives a home team, I think, a real advantage. But, uh, uh, Scott, you talked about some of these early-round matchups. I've been looking also at uh, 3-2-A and 4-2-A, and I think we brushed on this a little bit last week, Watertown and Charlesville County. They likely uh, next week can match up with Megs and Marion County. You're talking about a couple matchups that easily could be semifinal games in, uh, in 2-A. So, Travel's going to be a big thing, and I think we're going to see some pretty elite matchups coming earlier in the playoffs than uh, than we usually expect to see. Yeah, I actually got a chance to look at some of the travel that a lot of teams are going to do around the state, and it's interesting to know that there were 14 teams that have to go more than 200 miles to their first-round game this week. On the flip side, on the flip side, though, there are 14 teams who only have to go 50 miles or less so there is some there are some teams that are going to have short trips yeah and some teams that are uh in previous years that haven't had to travel or that uh you know didn't have to travel very far are now you know now the the, the script has been flipped 
and now they're having to make a trip to Memphis or or make a trip, whether it be by how they finish in the regular season or or whether by how the the dice roll fell for their whatever region they were in. Now they're going to have to travel a whole new whole new thing that they're not used to. Yeah, I think the TWSAA put out their notes for this week. I think there are like 65 first-time matchups in the playoffs this week. So a lot of new foes for some opponents coming in week one of the playoffs. Um, we'll get to some of those matchups and who you got. Uh, I want to go back to last Friday real quick in the end of the regular season. Scott, you were over at Wilson Central for an elimination game between Hillsborough and Wilson Central. Wilson Central hung on for that win, but uh, Hillsborough didn't make it easy for a while. No, it – it, yeah, it was a, a, a true elimination game. Playoffs got to start early over there. Um, you know, it started out, the thankfully, the rains kind of held off for the most part. It drizzled a little bit over there. Field was kind of nasty. And Wilson Central got off to a, a fast start, uh, being able to run the ball on the ground, uh, hold uh, hold Hillsborough's uh, rushing attack, which was their, which was their focus, uh, and, and forced them to throw the ball and what turned uh, turned into uh, a difficult night to, to hang on to the ball. Um, they got out ahead 14 to 14, three, 21 to three uh, before Hillsborough started mounting a comeback late in the second quarter. Their, their defense finally uh, uh, was able to get some stops. They were, uh, they were victims of um, penalties and, and mistakes early. But by then it was it was far too late. Uh, the second half came on. Nobody scored in the third quarter. Although Hillsborough did start moving the ball, um, and then the only uh, they got let's see they got a touchdown. Mikey's Jones fi- uh, finally got on the board uh, late in the fourth. They had a chance. They had a chance to go up. Had the ball uh, fourth and an inch really. Uh, inside the 20 with a chance to really go up, but a procedure penalty backed them up, and then they tried to run a uh, quarterback, uh, a halfback pass back to the quarterback, a throwback, and uh, the pass was a little off target, and the slick field, uh, it was just no good from there. Wilson Central really drove the ball, took up a lot of the clock, uh, kicked a a field goal, put them up eight, and that's kind of how it ended. But – you know, I tell you, this uh, Wilson Central team is going to give some teams some fits. Uh, uh, I think in in coming up, and and uh, Coach Deadman feels that way as well. He thinks with their uh, the way that their uh, sets run and the way they mix things up, they're going to cause some problems uh, in the playoffs. At least he has that kind of faith in his team. Their first shot will be a page this week, and uh, one of those games that we'll uh, we'll pick later on in this show. Um, over at DCA, a region title game between the Wildcats and Nashville Christian. And let me tell you, defense is ruled tonight. And this one finished 7-3 DCA. And Ashton Jones had a first-quarter touchdown. We thought it was going to be a high-scoring game after you know the first 10, 12 minutes, but it never showed up because both defenses clamped down. Uh, DCA had another TD callback for a holding penalty, then missed a field goal. Uh, Nashville Christian didn't get on the board until the third quarter when Macy Crampton hit one, a short field goal on fourth down. Uh, they had the ball at the two-yard line, which was an interesting call by Nashville Christian head coach Jeff Brothers, whether they decided to kick that field goal or go for it. Uh, they took the field goal, and they never got back close again. And I asked him afterwards, well, which 
what factored into that decision. He said, well, we figured we have to score twice. So figured we just go ahead and take three there and, and try to get it again later on. But uh, didn't work out for them that way. And DCA wins the region title, gets a first round by Nashville Christian will be at home for the first round. Uh, the weather really didn't factor into a lot of this. I don't think as you didn't see a lot of players sliding around uh, DCA's field is, is right next to the stones river over there in Donaldson. So it drains really well. Um, shout out to DCA too. That surface is, is great. It's fantastic. It's one of the best I've seen this year. Um, there was quite a, a, a good miss coming down throughout the first half, but um, there were five turnovers in the second quarter, but really, one of them was on a hard hit. Another one was a defender making a play along the sideline, stripping the ball out. And then the three interceptions were on the quarterbacks throwing passes. They shouldn't have thrown. So factors the weather didn't really factor in nearly as much for that game, but the defenses did the job and, uh, and Nashville Christians defense really should get some credit too, because you know they did the job for, for most of those 48 minutes, getting, keeping everything close. Well, guys, I'll tell you, of the coaches I've talked to, it didn't seem the weather was as big a factor last Friday night as maybe we expected. I know a lot of uh, teams moved games to Thursday. Some, I think, maybe use the weather more as an excuse to, to get a little extra chance to scout. You can't blame coaches for doing that, absolutely. But uh, I think the ones Thursday night were a little bit uh, less fortunate than the ones on Friday night. It was kind of icky, a little mixy and all that. But uh, a lot of coaches I talked to in some pretty big games that were all across the state – uh, fortunately, the weather didn't factor into it. Guys, there were a lot of games last Friday night that uh, still had a whole lot of playoff implications. And uh, the, good, the good thing that the weather didn't have too big an impact on most of those games. Well, yeah, Chris and I were at a game Thursday night, uh, the uh, Pearl Cone uh, Montgomery Central game. And uh, thankfully, we had a pocket there where it had stopped raining. It, it came down in buckets about uh, 5, 36 o'clock. And then uh, – you know, from the time the game started till the time it was over, we caught a nice little pocket to where uh, the field was sloppy, but we didn't get any rain there. Yep. Yeah, it, it rained heavily during the day, not just at that 530, but earlier in the day as well. Some heavy rain had come through Nashville, and uh, Pearl Cones Field definitely caught the brunt of it because it was it was pretty sloppy most of the evening. Tra um, traction was a problem for some players Thursday night, and a lot of players were covered in mud. A lot of players were wet and, and had a lot of grass on them. And uh, you know, Montgomery Central's defense for, for a long time had that game pretty well bottled up. And then Barry Brown went to quarterback for Pearl Cone in the fourth quarter, had two big touchdowns, and then the Firebirds won 16-8. to eight. So you know, Brown really got his hands on the ball and made things happen, and he's that kind of player. He, he's, he kind of declared himself about 95% healthy from his ankle injury that had cost him a couple of games earlier in the year. And you know, Tony Brunetti had no problems putting him at quarterback when they needed him. No, when he gets the ball, something spectacular is going to happen. Those were his I'm, words. Those were his words. Uh, although I was surprised you didn't uh, somehow go with how, what can Brown do for you. Because um, <laughs> we know what he could do for the Firebirds. Yes, yes, he very well could. Yeah. <laughs> didn't really want to cliche it up too much, but uh, – we're, 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 we're hoodies up, guys. We're hoodies up. We're hoodies <laughs> up until the end of this segment, and then we'll go back to – we will come back and dive into the first-round playoff matchups that mean the most to this area on the Mid-State 48, powered by 615 Preps. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to the Mid-State 48, powered by 6.5 Preps. We're going to talk some more playoffs. Now, if you were with us on Saturday, we did our bracket special where we looked at all the brackets, Scott and I, over the our, our coverage area, and uh, we're going to do a little bit more of that tonight. Uh, went back in there, put the records in, all, all the handy-dandy records with the uh, with the team, so you actually know what's what with some of these schools. So let's just let's start at 1A, and you know, the Clay County-Gordonsville game was for that region title. Uh, we've talked a lot this year about Gordonsville South Pitt, possibly another playoff matchup between those two teams. Um, it, it looks like it could happen again in the quarterfinals. But uh, Tom, well, when you see when you see these things in one A, what stands out to you? Well, you know, at, inevitably you think it's going to be Gordonsville South Pitt, but keep an eye on Clay County, guys. I, I know that Gordonsville got that win last week, twenty-one to fourteen, and uh, uh, you know. I don't know how closely you guys followed the game, but I know that Gordonsville had a 14-0 lead in the first half. Had a chance to go up 21-0 right before halftime and just couldn't punch it in. But, you know, Clay County's a defense that's um, allowing only 8.8 points per game. They pitched four shutouts this year. And South Pittsburgh, as good as they are, and it's always tough to go down there and play, I don't think this is one of the more powerhouse-type South Pittsburgh teams we've seen. So the round two potential matchup of Clay County and South Pittsburgh certainly intrigues me there. Not taking anything away from Sale Creek and Red Bowling Springs. Obviously, you know, they got to win in the first round. And Sale Creek's been putting up some points like crazy. They've averaged 64.3 points per game in their last four games. They've been really putting up some head-spinning numbers. But uh, inevitably, folks are going to look at this. They're going to think Gordonsville, South Pitt in that quarterfinal round. But keep your eye on Clay County. I think they're not to, not to be slept on. Yep. Well, that uh, that Clay County-Sale Creek game, could uh, that could not end until sometime, you know, late Saturday. Uh, I mean, you're talking because Sale Creek is meant as much as they uh, put up points, they give them up too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, I, I, you know, I still think this is the South Pittsburgh Gordonsville collision course. But you know, a team that uh, to me you can't sleep on is Whitwell. Um, you know, Whitwell's got a, a real chance in that uh, in that region, and uh, so you know, Gordonsville can't take anybody lightly. I don't think they will, though. It's going to be important to note in this in this bracket as well that Copper Basin Gordonsville game is a Thursday night game. It has been moved to Thursday this week, so whoever wins is going to be doing some scouting on a Friday night for sure in that Joe Burns Whitwell game to get ready for round two. Yeah, that's I tell you what, the, that Joe just go back real quick. That Joe Burns Whitwell game will be one to watch. I think that's a uh, that's going to be pro- possibly the best first round game in that matchup coming up this weekend. Yeah, look on the uh, region five and six. A part of the bracket, uh, Eagleville, the only team that we cover this particular quadrant, and they'll be at Dresden in round one. Uh, but you've got nine and one Fayetteville, ten and ten of them McKenzie on as those two region champions. Um, but here you look at teams like McEwen and Cornersville, whoever gets out of that game, you know, McKenzie's gonna have their hands full. Yeah, Fayetteville's is is tough, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. McKenzie very well could be. Uh, create some problems for them. Um, I, I, you look at Fayetteville's schedule and, and the teams that they've played. I mean, they beat Upperman, and that was a pretty good win for them. It was uh, so, um, yeah. You know, the you know they uh, they're a really uh, a really good team. I still think that they're going to be the class out of this one. Yep. Let's go ahead and skip into region or class two A with the region three and four. Tommy mentioned these earlier. Um, 
Troustel County, possibly a second round game of Meigs County, Watertown and Marion County could have a second round battle. Um, yeah, when these when these regions got aligned this year, it, it kind of took some sting out of that semifinal game in two A because now your semifinal power is all in the first couple of weekends. Yeah, it's it's. I tell you what, there there potentially could be two top ten ranked matchups there in that second round if the uh, Trousdale County and Mex County get there, and then Watertown wins Marion County. Guys, I know I'm not going to go out on a limb by any means and and predict an upset of Westmoreland over Marion County, but that Westmoreland defense, I've been riding that train all season long, guys. I'm just curious to see how well they do against Marion County, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a barometer of uh, if Watertown gets through that first-round game of Bledsoe County. Let's see how Westmoreland does against Marion County. That may give us a little bit of an indication what we can expect in that second round. And uh, Charleston County, I don't know that any team in 2A has got to run for the first couple of weeks, Tyner, and then potentially turn right around and play Max County. Guys, that's tough before you even get to the quarters. Yeah, yeah that, that Tyner team, I, I'm a little concerned about Charleston County against that Tyner team. Uh, Tyner's only lost three games. They lost to Alcoa. Uh, they've lost to uh, Meigs County by one point, uh, you know, and then uh, they lost to Marion County. And that was pretty stout there. I don't think Trousdale can afford to look past them at all. Yeah. yeah. Go back to that Westmoreland team for just a second. I mean, their defense, you look, over, look overlook that three and seven record because they were in a ton of games this year where they just couldn't punch things in. That defense will keep them in a ball game pretty much all night. Can their offense do anything? anything with it that's going to be the key there marion county can't be looking past them right now because if they've seen the film they should know that west portland's defense isn't bad at all no indeed and i tell you what west portland's getting the respect they deserve too they were ranked just outside the top 10 believe it or not in uh, class 2a this week the associated press poll so people are taking notice west portland's played a lot of good quality football this year that three and seven record aside yep on the uh in the 3A bracket, uh, let's see, Cannon County is our lone cover in this particular portion of it where they have Signal Mountain at home. You've got Giles County at 9-0 hosting Sweetwater, and then Loudon at 9-1 hosting Grundy County. Um, Tom, the, Kingston kind of sticks out to me as a team that may be able to make some noise in this bracket if there's anybody else that comes out of it. What do you think? You know, Kingston's a good football squad, but I'll tell you what, guys, a, a couple of weeks back, Stone Memorial went up and uh, and took care of business against Kingston, a game and a result that kind of surprised me there. Uh, and not taking anything away from Stone Memorial, but I thought Kingston would have won that game by a score or two, and uh, Stone was able to get out of there with a, with a good victory for them. That is, though, a good Kingston team. I don't think Sequatchie is quite what they've been in years past, and uh I see a Kingston-Giles County matchup in round two. I think could be a really, really good game. Guys, I'm telling you, Cannon County's had a nice season. Signal Mountain, they've had some powerhouse teams over the years. It's a good, solid Signal Mountain team. But um, Cannon County certainly would have their hands full if they had to get to go to play Loudon in round number two. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Cannon County possibly even win this first-round game against Signal Mountain. Uh, they could do it. I mean, Signal Mountain gives up a ton of points, and if uh, Canton County can get on the board early, they could cause some problems for Signal Mountain. Yep. Had West for Regions 5 and 6, and you know, one of the more intriguing brackets up and down because of, of matchups like Fairview at Smith County and White House Heritage East Nashville. Um, when we look down the line, you know, East Nashville-White House would be a, a really good quarterfinal game. 
considering the way both teams have played this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but th- there's something about that Waverly team mm. that really is is speaking to me right now. And I think that, that if that turns out to be Waverly East Nashville in that second round, that very well we could very well see a White House Waverly rematch uh, in the quarterfinals. Yeah. And boy, wouldn't that be fun. Yeah, those two teams put on a show at Nissan Stadium back around week four. So a rematch would be very, very interesting and particularly potentially wild too. Yeah, what was the what was the difference there? Three points, four? I think it went. I'd go back and look, but it was, yeah. Like yeah, 33, something like that. It, it was a real shootout. And uh well, you talk about a team that's overcome all kinds of adversity this year, Waverly. You know, the, the flooding happened to go on the road. It's just been a, a tough season. And these kids have stood tall and been resilient. That White House game, the only one they lost this year. Um, man, I'm telling you what, I, I'm just excited about the possibility of seeing them at East Nashville in round two. And then you look at White House, and I like this Fairview-Smith County matchup, guys, uh, being played at Carthage. And uh, uh, this is one we'll talk about it and who you got. But uh, – uh, I think this is one of a again one of those really good first round matchups. It's a, kind of a toss up for me. Yeah, Waverly will play Jackson County at Dixon County High School in this first round. Now, if they should get to the quarterfinals, you know, if they're playing somebody from the other region or somebody below them, um, they would they would also host it, or they would have to ho- find a place to host it. So that's something to keep in mind for a couple of weeks down the line. Well, good for Dixon County for stepping up and volunteering their field for Waverly. Yep. Uh, you know that that was a great uh, show of uh, uh, camaraderie and kinship there. Yep. Moving on to four A. Upperman is the number one seed out of Region Four. They've got Saudi Daisy at home. Red Bank hosting Stone Memorial on the other one for matchup uh, Chattanooga central at Macon County and the cap County at East Hamilton round up this quadrant. Tom, I'll start with you. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Well, talked to Adam King at Upperman uh, last weekend and uh, he compared Saudi Daisy a lot to Walker Valley, a team that they saw just a couple of weeks ago in terms of their physicality and their size. And uh, I, I think the Upperman's got a good advantage in that game. And they're going to be tough to beat out of this region guys, but I never sleep on these Chattanooga area teams. Red Bank, Chattanooga Central, East Hamilton, all finished five and one in that region. It, it was it was tight. And uh, when you look at East Hamilton, even uh, there there are a couple of losses there. I think we're just by one point each, and a very competitive ball game. The Cap County has been a road warrior in the playoffs in recent years, but they're dealing with some injuries. Uh, they lost Diego Coronado, one of the anchors of their offensive line. That's a big blow for them uh, in that football game. Macon County, Chattanooga Central, another good matchup. Guys, I like these matchups all across the board. Even Stone Memorial, I think, uh, could give Red Bank uh, some fits there. But to me, Upperman's the cream of the crop here, but never count out the Chattanooga area schools in this region. I agree. I think that uh, you're you're really looking at some close first-round matchups. I think that uh, Macon County, Chattanooga Central game could go down to the wire. Uh, I think that the Cabbies, Hamilton, could, could go that way as well. Uh, it may just come down to mistakes. It's really uh, difficult uh, to judge some of these uh, Ch- uh, Chattanooga teams just based on the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, it, it's hard to judge against the teams that they played against to know exactly, you know, you see a record, but you need to know exactly what that meant as far as who they played and, and things of that nature. But, I, you know, just based on that, I think that, 
you know, these teams are solid, and DeKalb and Macon are going to have their hands full. Yep. Uh, to regions five and six in class 4A, we talked about the Pearlcombe Montgomery Central result and what that meant for the Firebirds being at home in round one as opposed to going to Jackson Southside, which the Indians will do on their own. Uh, you've got a 10 of those Tullahoma team and a 9 of those Hardin County team bookending this. So, does Pearl Cone get out of this quarterfinal or are they navigating a minefield? Based upon what we saw the other night, I think that if Hardin County is who they're up against, they're going to have a hard time because Hardin County has got a really good defense. I mean, they've only given up 67 points all year. And Pearl's offensive line did not look good. Um, yeah, regardless of the weather, you know, offense should have been able to dictate that game. And it wasn't until Barry and Brown, uh, you know, took over in the second half that, you know, they were able to do anything. So I think that Pearl is going to have a lot of trouble if they have to play against Hardin County. Not saying they can't win, but they're going to have to play a lot better up front. Well, you can look at Hardin County, too. They got Marshall County in the first round, and Marshall County has been a pretty tough opponent in the playoffs in the past few years. And, and again, I like that defense of Hardin County. As you mentioned, there's Scott and uh, Pearl Cole. You know, you were talking about 95% for Barry Brown the other day, or him saying he was 95% in the game the other day. Uh, you know, 95% of Barry Brown will take you a long way into the playoffs. I, I like this Pearl Cone team all year, but definitely – the offensive line is going to have to step up and play better. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons you've got back there. And, of course, we've not even mentioned Tullahoma or Montgomery Central and how well both of them, those uh, teams have played this year. Uh, this is going to be a tough region. And, uh, uh, Brocon, Chris, you said navigating a minefield. I definitely see that. Yep. Yeah, Tullahoma-Hardin County seems like that quarterfinal is tailor-made for them. But uh, Montgomery Central's defense has been nearly lights out all year long. I think the only real blemish against them was – was the Tullahoma loss early on in the year. They've been close in every other game, so it will be interesting to see if they get another shot at Tullahoma, whether they can do anything with it or not. But, uh, yeah, this is a tough it's a tough region to look at because there are some quality teams over here. You know, you've got nobody with a losing record, one of the few regions or the few quadrants in any bracket that's like that. So it goes to speak to the quality of the, of the teams in this particular bracket that they're all 500 or better. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. Montgomery Central is going to be uh, is is kind of an X factor. Yep. In five A, we've talked about this bracket ad nauseum, really, because of the potential it has in, in producing multiple teams out of it. You know, in regions five and six, when you've got Green Hill with Franklin County at home, um, Nolansville Station Camp. Nolansville has a four and six record, but they may have the best shot at pulling an upset of anybody here, just because Station Camp has been playing so poorly the last three weeks. Uh, agreed. And, you know, you know, we talked to, uh, to coach Alexander and, and, you know, he was concerned about his team's identity and, and, uh, you know, playing bison ball and, and the fact they hadn't been doing that. So you're right. Nolensville has an opportunity here. It just depends on if station camp can write the ship and stay righted. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's some central yeah. page too, as well. Okay. Yeah, you had Wilson Central's page. We talked about that one earlier. Um, the one that I'm looking at, though, potential second-round matchup, Mount Juliet potentially going to Green Hill. They, those two teams played a classic just Friday night, and although Mount Juliet lost that game, that might have given them enough motivation 
to where they can get by Columbia and get to the second round to get another shot at their new cross city rival. Yeah, that would be a second round matchup for sure, guys. And uh, I was kind of surprised Mount Julie. They, they've been a little Jekyll and Hyde here of late. And, uh, well, they really brought their A game out to play Green Hill. They were fired up and motivated about that game. I think they're going to be as equally fired up, as you mentioned, Chris, to get back there and get another shot at Green Hill there in that second round. Dare, dare I ask, uh, without uh, giving too much away, uh, what do you guys think the final, the quarterfinal is going to look like? Just right now, off top of your, off top of your head. I, I think it's Paige Greenhill still. Um, Nolansville, I think, is an X factor here because if their defense has any improvement at all, their offense is dangerous enough to do a lot of damage in this bracket. But I do think that. Page will work their way to the quarterfinal of this one. Yeah, and it's which station camp shows up. Are we going to see the team that played so well the first eight weeks of the season or the team that's looked so poor in the last two weeks of the season? You know, not much was expected of station camp. They surprised us all, but they kind of ended the season kind of the way uh, folks expected them to start the season. So, to me, they're the X factor here. Yeah, Chris, I tend to agree with you. I think that if you look at the teams that are playing – the most consistent ball, the most uh, uh, yeah, playing the the best football going in the playoffs. You have to point to those two teams. Yeah, yeah, we agree with that. And five A, we've talked about all years is as wide open as anything. So, yeah, definitely uh, one to keep an eye on these matchups Friday and see how they turn out because you can almost throw them under a hat and pull pull a name out and be just as right as what we're <laughs> going to try to do in the next segment. So, <laughs> you mean you guys haven't been doing that all year? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you. Uh, region 7 and 8 quickly. Uh, Springfield hosting Brighton. Kenwood hosting Memphis Central. Henry County hosting Dyer, Dyer County. Or Kenwood at Memphis Central, excuse me. Henry County hosting Dyer County. Portland at Munford. Um, Springfield, to me, is an X factor in this side of, of 5A in these two brackets because they play football that's meant for November. They run the ball, they rely on their defense, and they try not to make many mistakes at all. That's a formula that can get you pretty deep into the playoffs as long as you don't make those mistakes. 100% agree. Uh, Springfield is, I mean, right now they are playing tough, tough defense, and that's that gets you far when you get to the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that Kenwood-Memphis Central game is kind of intriguing to me. I, uh, just simply – because Kenwood has the ability to score in bunches, but then again, you know, defensively, you just don't know. I mean, they kind of, you know, I won't say they backed into the playoffs, but they kind of did. Uh, North uh, Northeast beat them the last game of the se season, but uh, since Portland couldn't upset Henry County, it got them in instead of Northeast. Um, so you really don't know what you're going to get there. And I think that, you know, Springfield's got a favorable draw here. Uh just based on the teams that they're facing. Uh, the lower end of the bracket, you know, the more I look at this, Chris, and, I, you know, after after Saturday, after you, know, you talked, I looked at this a little harder, and I don't know that Henry County doesn't have a, a, a really good shot to come out of this side of the bracket, and we might see that Springfield-Henry County game again. Yeah. My only question is going to be, would it be more than nine points scored in it? in the second time around if they do meet up in the quarterfinals because that was a 6-3 Springfield win the first time around. Um, yeah, I agree. Henry County, I think, 
they've played such a hard schedule all year long that uh, they're now playing for for November. And this is what they set up for. That's why they scheduled as hard as they did. They took some lumps early on in the year, but they played it for a reason. It's these playoff brackets and, and getting through them and trying to play Henry County football. So I, I can see Henry County Springfield in round three for sure. Going to 6A, we'll speed things up just a little bit to get through this segment. Um, in Regions 3 and 4, Stewart's Creek at Lebanon, Coffee County at Riverdale, Rockville at Shelbyville, Warren County at Oakland. Is it Battle of the Borough round two, or does somebody else have a say in it? Tom, what do you think? i tell you what, guys. Lebanon, to me, is a team that if you're going to watch one, uh, they're out of Region 3. Keep an eye on Lebanon. You know, they're a team that I, I wasn't sure about them early on, guys. I just didn't think they were playing – Great football, but I know Chuck Gentry and, and how hard he works and his staff works. And, boy, I tell you what, uh, they kept coming. They kept winning. They're gritty. They're tough. Jalen Abston is a, just an, a you know tremendous athlete, a quarterback. But this is a team to keep an eye on. If somebody's going to play spoiler to me to the Battle of the Borough, it's going to be left and right there. And uh, uh, looking at a potential left and Riverdale game in round number two, I think that's a game that could be very, very interesting. I agree. I, I think that Lebanon Riverdale game is is really going to be the game of this. Although something in the back of my mind says, don't look past Stewart's Creek if you're Lebanon. Yep. Uh, you know they they can run the ball down your throat, um, but yeah, on, you know when you look at it on paper, you see Oakland Riverdale in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I expect a heavy dose of Gabe Walker from Stewart's Creek Friday night at Lebanon. Um, and if Lebanon's defense, which has played very well the last three or four weeks, now don't forget they've had, I think I think it's 14 consecutive quarters of, of scoreless football that they played. So they're riding on a pretty big high coming to the postseason. If they can get another win out of this game, they're going to stay at home. Now, they Correct. don't have to worry about getting the road for a bit. So they got Riverdale coming to them. If they were happen to get to the quarterfinals, they'd have Oakland coming to them. You know, they're in a good spot. They just have to make sure and you know, get it done. Regions five and six, McGavick at Hendersonville, Gallatin at Smyrna, Overton at Beach, Clarksville at Cane Ridge. Stands out to you, Tom. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, looking at a lot of very interesting matchups, to be honest with you here. you got uh, a lot of saying, I think only one losing record there, and that's Gallatin. And uh, you never sleep on Gallatin at that. I know they had, had the kind of season that uh, that they wanted to record-wise, but they're pretty battle-tested themselves. And uh, – that Smyrna game there in the first round, I think that could be a pretty interesting matchup there. Uh, Hendersonville, McGavick, you know, uh, you kind of favor Hendersonville there, but McGavick's had a fairly nice season thus far this year. Overton Beach, guys, this one kind of stands out to me as a pretty interesting round one game there in the bottom half of the draw to keep your eye on. Really, I think all these matchups are pretty good, and I think, uh, you know, it would surprise me to see a couple of teams uh, pull a mild upset or two in this region. 100% agree. I think that there are some uh, – uh, I'm saying agree a lot because I do. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, there there's potential for upsets here. I don't think that uh, – I think Clarksville uh, with Rayshon Bowling stands a chance against Kane Ridge, at least to give them a game. Uh, if Kane Ridge isn't playing on their game, Clarksville could could upset, that, uh, upset them. Um, Hendersonville, though, I think is uh, – I think that 
they are made to go into the quarterfinals at least. Uh, you know, you look at their side of the bracket, I think that they're made to to take on those teams and, and win. Uh, truthfully, if it comes down to it, I think you're going to probably see the battle of Drake's Creek, uh, you know, round two. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think those two teams are kind of made for getting to the quarterfinals in this bracket. Um, Overton, I think, can give Beach some trouble in that first round. That's one I'm going to keep my eye on. But uh, other than that, I think it's it's Beach Hendersonville getting through to the quarterfinals. Let's go to seven and eight when you got the Williamson County teams going to Me- Memphis. Lost some long trips involved for Independence and for and for Brentwood and Houston and Whitehaven coming the other way. Summit and Collierville. Uh, they're your 10 of those region champions here. Ravenwood, a number two seed out of region seven. Uh, a lot of injury intrigue in these matchups because there's a lot of unknown with Memphis because of missing 2020 and being behind by a year. Are these teams ready to compete in this type of environment now? Uh, I think they're ready to compete, but whether they can, you know, whether they'll win or not, you know, that's a, that's a different story. I like, the Williamson County schools here in just about every matchup except for the Collierville Independence game. And even that, I think you can't sleep on Independence. Um, I think that Ravenwood uh, is uh, is ready to take on Whitehaven. I think Whitehaven's playing well, but like you said, Chris, they've had a year of uh, where they didn't lift. They didn't, you know, is stamina going to be a factor? It very well could. But, you know, Ravenwood uh, and Brentwood uh, being tested like they test themselves will have them prepared for for Germantown and Whitehaven. Uh, like I said, I think Independence is, a, is really the only one that's in, uh, you know, in what we say mortal danger here. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, I like the I like the Williamson County Schools. Yeah, I think the Williamson County schools are very battle-tested going in, guys. And, uh, you know, at the onset of this season, we all talked about how much it would affect the Memphis area schools not playing last year. We're about to find out, guys. And I know there's some impressive records. You look at that 10-0 by Collierville. I don't know a whole lot about Collierville, I'll be honest, going into this game with Independence. But I do know this, the the uh, you know the local schools have looked good thus far this year. The Memphis teams – if that year really took a lot out and, and missing out on weightlifting trainings, things like that, uh, it could be a clean sweep here for the area team, local area teams. I would not be surprised if that happened whatsoever. Now, Collierville did play last year, so they're not necessarily in Shelby County, but the other three are. So that's the one thing to keep in mind there when that Independence-Collierville game comes around. So Independence at four and six offensively can still put up enough points to, to win that game and, and not call your out. But uh, I don't know defensively that they're going to be able to, to match what Collierville has been able to do this year. Um, be interesting to see if anybody can try to slow down Destin Wade though, because nobody's done it so far. <laughs> On to division two. I'm not really sure what that was, but uh, a little, little by action there. <laughs> Don't fall asleep on me now. We've still got a little ways to go in Division <laughs> 2. Um, My phone likes to go to bed before I do. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you uh, go. Nah, I'm the night owl of the bunch, apparently. 
Uh, Division two single A, you've got USJ and DCA with first round buys. Franklin Grace at Kings Academy, Tipton Rosemont at Friendship Christian in the top half of this bracket. Real quickly, um, USJ DCA, I think, is a semifinal for you guys. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the what I see out of this one. And the bottom half, Middle Tennessee Christian with the lone first round by theirs. The others are all in the first round. Trinity Christian at Columbia Academy, uh, Lakewood Christian at Nashville Christian, and FACS at Jackson Christian. Um, I think Nashville Christian, I think, still is the, the favorite to get out of this particular part of the bracket. Middle Tennessee Christian may have something to say about that in the semifinals as well. What say you? Yeah, I, I think they're, uh, the Columbia Academy, uh, I think they, they, they're, you can't pay attention to their record. I think Columbia Academy uh, could give uh, Middle Tennessee Christian a, a game, but I'm like you. Yeah, I think Nashville Christian really, uh, by finishing second, actually got a pretty good draw here uh, away from USJ. And so I, I think that it's really uh, this side of the bracket is theirs to, to run with. Yeah, I like Nashville Christian on that opposite side. And uh, really, Middle Tennessee Christian, I think they're playing good football right now. They started their season a bit slow, but they've really been playing well lately. Yep, seven in a row that they've won coming into the postseason. So they're on a big, hot run going into the postseason. Uh, but they'll have a week off to rest before their first playoff game. In, in double-A, CPA in this part of the bracket on the top half against Boyd Buchanan at home, uh, they get the FRA-CAK winner if they can get through the first round. EGA hosting Chattanooga Christian. Winner goes to Lausanne. Uh, CPA has their eyes set on Chattanooga. Is, is there anybody in this half of the bracket that might upset that potential bid? Well, I think Lausanne has a really good chance at it. Um, but, uh, you know, CPA uh, CPA should get back there. I, I think that those two losses sting and uh, that Ingle Martin will have those guys ready. Uh, CPA to me should be the team that gets their guys. What's their mindset, especially after that Lipscomb Academy game? That was uh, uh, quite a thrashing that they took there. Are they motivated to get back and feel like they can beat Lipscomb Academy, or are they still a little down and out? If they are, they could have some trouble next week out of that CAKFRA win if they're not careful. Speaking of that bottom half, there's Lipscomb Academy, a first round bye there. Knoxville Webb has the other first round bye. Your first round matchups are ECS hosting Davidson Academy. And Silverdale and North Point Christian playing at Lipscomb Academy in a neutral site game where the Mustangs will get to scout their next opponent. That's kind of like uh, visiting the uh, visiting the funeral. I mean, the uh, graveyard where your plot is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just don't see anybody right now. I, I don't know that there there are some college teams I wouldn't put up against Lipscomb Academy right now. Yeah, they're pretty tough, guys. I'll tell you, they, they've been impressive all year. Even even the one loss against Oakland, I think those teams play ten times. They probably go five and five. They're a really good football team, and uh, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on Davidson Academy coming out of the bottom half. I know they've got some history, of course, uh, but just to me, the the cream of the crop here definitely lives in the academy. Yeah, that's what I'm interested to see if Davidson Academy can kind of make their way through this part of the bracket and get to the semifinals. You know, they haven't had you know a a noteworthy year. As far as winning big games, but you know they've taken they've taken some lumps in their first year in Double A. But you know you, you take a Jonathan Quinn coach team and, and they're going to find a way to maybe win a game they shouldn't. And and this is a good time for them to prove that. You know they're not 
three-time defending Class A champions for nothing. So right. a lot of those players are still around, and that's yeah. that's a good time for them to prove some stuff. And and Jonathan Quinn will remind them their record's not six and four; it's zero and zero. Yep. Right now. Yep. Let's finish it up in AAA, where Macaulay and Brentwood Academy have first round buys. Macaulay gets the Father Ryan MUS winner. BA has the St. Benedict JP2 winner in that top half of the bracket. Uh, I like the potential of a JP2 Brentwood Academy second round game because you know BA has quietly gone seven and three. Nobody's really talked about them all that much. And JP2's offense has been outstanding for most of the year, but they've slipped a little lately in the last couple of weeks. Agreed. And I think uh, th- that second round matchup, uh, I mean, either way, you're going to run into Macaulay, uh, you know, likely. And that's, that's the, that's the tough out here, but yeah, I love that second round matchup, but I think you're right, Chris. I think Brentwood Academy has just been under the radar all year playing well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because it's really two different contrasts and styles. Check the bottom half out before we end this segment with NBA and Briarcrest on to round two. NBA gets the Baylor Answorth winner. Briarcrest gets the Christian Brothers Knoxville Catholic winner. This this particular half of the bracket could be fun because there's really any team that can get out of here and get to the semifinals and further on. Yeah, I, I like this type of bracket, guys. This is a these are a lot of good football teams, a lot of competitive football teams. You, you see a couple of teams with some four loss records there, but believe you me, they've played some very stout competition across the board. I like this. I could it'd be hard for me to pick a favorite coming out of this this region here. It's definitely a battle royal. I mean these these teams are gonna, you know, any any particular week, when any one of these teams could win. Uh, I'm intrigued by an NBA Baylor uh, matchup. Uh, I'm intrigued by another uh, Innsworth NBA possibility there. Uh, coming out of the bottom, you know, it's Briarcrest right now, but uh, a, a beatable Briarcrest, in my opinion. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that region. Yeah, this first round could be a lot of fun. A lot of good, a lot of good matchups to to come this Friday night. So it should be a good time. Let's take a break and then come back and quickly go through who you got and pick some winners for this week. This is the Midstate Forty Eight powered by Six One Five Preps. Come back with us in just a moment. Back here in the Midstate Forty Eight is that time of the week where we try to do our best and pick who's going to win this week. It's time for who you got. Most of us got back on track in week 11. However, Reggie probably needs to go back on the special kitty. <laughs> yeah, he's going to stay out of the catnip. Well, <laughs> he had a bad week. Yeah, he had a bad week, and he fell back into the into the basement by several games behind Drake in fifth place. So Tom's still out in front of the fans by two games. Actually picked up a game on the, on the fans last week, So uh, and, and you nailed. See, who did you have that? Watertown. You had Watertown. You had Watertown for Charleston County. That's right. In the uh, in the told you so department. So let's take a we'll just take a look back at week eleven real quick. Ah, the red. Oh, oh so much red. Out. So much red. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fans missed on Friendship Christian Hillsboro. Reggie went over his first four. Hence the bad record. Yep. 
And in the second group, there's the Watertown pick for Tom. Everybody else got Pearl Cone over Montgomery Central, Smyrna over Overton, and East Nashville over Smith County. They all got those. So a lot better in the second group of games. Yeah. But let's get on to round number one. And we'll start with Fairview and Smith County. Reggie has picked Smith County over Fairview. The rest of us have the Yellow Jackets. East Nashville over White House Heritage across the board. Scott, you and Tom have Columbia over Mount Juliet. The rest of us have the Golden Bears. We are split on our station camp Nolansville pick before Reggie made his. Yeah. He's got station camp, so it's three for station camp and two for Nolansville. And everybody has got Page over Wilson Central. On the second page, Hendersonville over McGavick is a unanimous vote. Same for Smyrna over Gallatin and Beach over Overton. Kane Rich is a unanimous pick. Reggie's going with Stewart's Creek over Lebanon in our spotlight game, but the rest of us have the Blue Devils. Not a whole lot of variety there. I think the gap may stay a lot like it is this week. That's all for who you got. I want to get in one last word real quick. Well, we're at the playoffs, and the weather's going to get a little bit colder this week. Everybody bundle up. Um, first off, I want to thank all the players and the coaches this year who have been able to give us access on the sidelines afterwards. Uh, this is not necessarily a – it's not a full-time job for us. It's a labor of love, and though I have a lot of journalism experience, and Scott does as well, and so does Tom, uh, we all do this because we want to do it. And when we take to the sidelines every Friday night, it's because we enjoy being out there and the playoffs are just kind of the end game for all of it. it. This is the best time of year to be a football fan, really, because now you see everybody giving it just a little extra. You have to empty the tank or else your season's over. And when you leave that stadium on Friday night, whether you've won or lost, take a, just a brief minute to appreciate the effort and the time that these players and coaches and everybody involved with these programs puts in because – it is not just a labor of love for them. It is something that they really, really want to get their hands on. And when we get to Chattanooga to crown, to crown some state champions, we'll see why. That is all I've got for this week. That's all the time we've got for this week, too. And I'm going to take who you got off the screen to let everybody see us one last time and get out of here. Scott, Tom, thank you all very much. And thank you all for watching and listening to the Midstate 48. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games, everybody, and good luck to everyone this week. Wear a coat. Stay warm. So long, everybody. The Midstate 48, powered by 615 Preps, is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC.